finding freedom in truth, pursuing truth in scripture. This is the Mormon Hope Podcast with Brandon Vaughn and Dave Malinak. Welcome into episode 26 of the Mormon Hope Podcast. I'm Brandon Vaughn along with Dave Malinak. And uh, we're excited today because we're adding a new wrinkle into the system. And we're excited to have our very first guest. And we're actually going to do quite a few interviews like this. And I guess we'll call it uh, the Mormon Stories segment. I think there's already something called the Mormon Stories. I've heard it before. Yeah, I think there's a podcast called it. So. It's not based on Christianity like ours, though. Right, so. right. And it's just a segment, so we're not stealing a name. Yeah. But, uh, well, we'll see. I guess we get a phone call. We'll, <laughs> we'll know. But uh, we're excited to have Casey Ballard with us today. And uh, he's actually a pastor about 25 minutes from here. We're recording in Ogden, Utah. And he is in uh, Plain City. And, uh, Casey, we just wanted to talk to you. I actually, this is the first time that we've met you face-to-face. But we have a mutual friend and a pastor, Ben Avery, who is actually just right up the road from here. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was telling me about you and your story and actually sent me a link uh, to your YouTube video online where you give your testimony about how God saved you out of Mormonism. And so we just wanted to talk to you about that, and we're so thankful for the saving power of the gospel. And, you know, it's so unique, and, and I have somewhat of a different perspective because I come from the South, and, you know, it's nothing but evangelical Christian churches out there, and you come out here, and it's just a totally different demographic here and there's a different kind of pressure here Mm. and it's not super common that we see somebody come out of mormonism like you did and even go into the christian ministry which is pretty amazing and so i guess let's just start at the beginning uh tell us about your mormon upbringing and and how that went about are you are you local here in utah have you grown up here so i grew up in southeastern idaho Okay. Um, in a town called Soda Springs. Uh, it's about two and a half hours from here. If you went to Lava Hot Springs, you'd drive over the hill and you'd be in Soda Springs. Yeah, beautiful place. And my father um, was a Mormon, what we call a Jack Mormon. And my mom was not anything, maybe like loosely Methodist, but never really went to church. And um, so I'd go to the Ward House a little bit. My mom wouldn't let me be a Mormon. Um, but I became a Mormon later on, about my 11th grade year of high school. I had moved to the town that my dad and mom were from, which was over towards Twin Falls, Idaho, in a little town called Dietrich, Idaho. And, and I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to play sports, so I went to a small, smaller town. And uh, while I was there, um, they sent me to seminary. Uh, as you guys know, seminary is huge here in mm-hmm. Utah and yeah. Idaho. And so I went to the seminary building, and then uh, they brought the missionaries over and told me all about uh, the LDS faith. And I got to the point of hearing about the pre-existence of that we were existing, the pre-existence, and I had that kind of burning in the bosom. And so I converted to Mormonism. I was um, a junior in high school and very zealous for Mormonism. And from that point, um, I was also going to the Ward House every week for weekly services. And so that's how I got into Mormonism. Hmm. Hmm. Now, when you converted, I mean, you sound pretty dedicated. I mean, this wasn't just like a going through the motion type thing for you. Uh, Tell us about your experience as a Mormon, what your uh, dedication was and what your life was in Mormonism. So I really enjoyed this little town called Dietrich. Um, we had a ward house there, and it was there was more people in the ward house probably than, than in the town. Oh, wow. Uh, because the farmers and people in the area. And um, I actually really liked the community. I loved the people. They were very kind to me. Um, but when I lived in Soda Springs, um, I found Mormonism was more um, exclusive. But in this town... They had loved me, and so I really felt a part of them. Um, still have some really good friends that are in Dietrich that I still keep in contact with. And um, so I, um, you know, continued to do everything, was going to go on a Mormon mission, 
And then it wasn't good timing. Some things happened. And then I was going to go on another Mormon mission when I was a, a freshman in college at Idaho State University. And then the Lord, um, I think, was drawing me mm-hmm. out of Mormonism. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I know he was. Yeah. At the time, I didn't. So were you, I mean, for a while, were you pretty dyed in the wool? Like, um... So I was, up to the point where I was going to go on my mission, I was supposed to meet with, at that time, one of the Quorum of the Seventy. And then I was supposed to give my testimony to a large fireside at Idaho State University because they have the right. big, you know, LDS Institute there. Right. And... Um, and it was going to be on a Friday. And I got a phone call that week. And I want, And before I mention the phone call, I want to say, actually, I had read through the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price. Um, I went to the um, Deseret Book and bought all the audios and listened to them and was studying it and feeling the burning in the bosom and feeling... Like Mormonism was so amazing, so true, ready to go on my mission. And I got this phone call um, from a family member. Um, I won't mention who it is because I don't know if she'd like this on the podcast. But um, she, the person said to me, um, Casey, um, I'm okay with you going on the mission. And obviously my father, because he was from a Mormon background, he was going to pay for it. But I have two, two things for you. One, um, I don't believe Mormons are Christians. Um, I have friends that are Christians, and this person who said this wasn't a Christian, nor hmm. was was this person a Mormon. The person was actually a Muslim. Uh-huh. And secondly, um, I'm going to tell you this, that um, I think it's really ridiculous that you believe that you can become a god. Do you really believe that? Hmm. And it challenged me because Did I really you? liked Mormonism, but I didn't like this concept that we could become gods because when I was a kid, I had watched uh, Charlton Heston's Ten Commandments. I was not churched. I had never went to a Baptist church, maybe a couple times, but I wasn't churched. And other than going to the LDS ward house on and off, and that really bothered me to think that I could become a god. So I started praying and searching. So you you had not embraced that part of Mormon theology at that at that time. No, and to be honest, when you become a Mormon, a lot of times they do not tell you that. Right, right. And they didn't tell me that until I was a year in, yeah, uh, in into Mormonism. Um, but by that time, you know, I'm already in it. Mm-hmm. I have friendships, so I just been like, well, I can be like God, but not really <laughs> conceptually thought. So it wasn't I a could deal breaker a, for you. What's that? It wasn't a deal breaker for you as far as when you at found the, that out. At the time, it wasn't because I was already in it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of refused to kind of meditate on it. Yeah. Um, so when she said that to me, um, it started to make me doubt. Yeah. And then I started praying. And um, and some different things happened. Um, for example, that week... Um, I had known that the 1830 copy of the Book of Mormon had changed. So I went to a Christian bookstore there in Pocatello, because mm-hmm. that's where Idaho State is. And when I went into this Christian bookstore in God's Providence, um, there was a lady that had come in there with her husband, and she was a former Mormon. And I asked uh, the, the, the bookstore people, hey, you know, do you have a copy of an 1830 copy of the Book of Mormon? They said no. She overheard our conversation, and she said, I have one, Wow! and I would like you to come over to my house, wow. and I want to show you how it's changed. <laughs> Providential. Now, I didn't know it at the time. The lady's name's Jill. Uh, Jill had told me that she had been praying that God would bring Mormons into her life mm. and that she could share the gospel with them. So she brought me over to her house, and she showed me how the Book of Mormon had changed, and she actually had a receipt from Deseret Book where she bought the 1830 copy hmm. to show me that she didn't buy it off of anybody. She bought it from Deseret Book. Mm-hmm. And then as she was showing me, she introduced me to the truth of the gospel, that we couldn't become gods, um, 
that there was only one God, and she particularly told me that Jesus Christ is the eternal God, mm. and you know showed me that from Scripture, and then turned me on to um, the Lighthouse Ministry that Sandra Tanner did, and so I went. So I would later go and look up the internet and look on that website, mm-hmm. uh, Utah Lighthouse Ministry. So, what was your first reaction to Utah Lighthouse Ministry? Because a lot, from what I've seen, a lot are very angry and antagonistic towards that at the beginning, and then after they get over that, like the angrier they get, the more so, likely it is they're going to. So, in my mind, um, the thing was is what I think. And if anybody's listening, if truth is truth, then it will prevail. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to the website, which was the next day that I went to the website, and remember, I'm supposed to give my testimony. I don't know if I shared this on a Friday. And this all takes place on a Tuesday, Wednesday. So Leading up to that. Leading up to that. And so I'm you know, on the Internet, and I pull up uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and Moroni 7. And Joseph Smith had done a cut-and-paste job right across from 1 Corinthians 13 to Moroni 7. Well, somebody would ask, well, how do we know that? Well, for one, it's in the King James Version, right? Mm -hmm. So at that time, people weren't speaking King James English. So why is he using King James English in the Book of Mormon? Why is he taking it straight over, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I had saw that plagiarism, and it bothered me. And then I had seen other examples of plagiarism so in my mind i'm like this is a problem Mm -hmm. um why is he copying from a book from the 1600s straight across Mm -hmm. when people in the 1800s are not speaking this yes yeah and i've come to understand that one third of the book of mormon is plagiarized from mostly the king james bible exactly mostly as a yeah which you know, so so for you, did you feel antagonistic towards Christians at the at the time when you were LDS? Did you were you the kind of loyalty that felt that Christians were the adversary? So, I had only heard about people like Ed Decker um, and some of the early um, people that they would consider anti-Mormon. And in a lot of ways, um, I know that God used God makers. But I think Godmakers was antagonistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the only Christians I had heard about were the ones like Ed Decker and, right. and Dick Bearer that worked with Ed Decker. But other than that, I truthfully, I don't, other than my grandma, was she was a Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I knew a Christian. Mm. Um, wow. I had never... In my high school in Soda Springs, there wasn't a Christian in my high school that I knew of. Mm-hmm. And when I was in Dietrich High School, there wasn't a Christian in my Dietrich High School. Huh. And you guys probably know this, but southeastern Idaho has a higher percentage of right. LDS oh, yeah. people than, than Utah. Yeah. Right. right. And it's a different kind of commitment as well. I mean, the, yes. the LDS here, it's more cultural, and there it's more committed. Yeah. The way I'd describe it. So... Um, Tell us about your conversion experience. I mean, I know you talked about the phone call that got you thinking about exaltation, becoming a God. What was that process like between that phone call and when you came to faith in Christ? So what happened to me is, um, you know, after meeting with that lady, it bothered me. I didn't completely give up on Mormonism. Um, I started praying, obviously, and... Once she shared all this, you know, all these Bible verses with me, um, it, it got me doubting Mormonism. For example, um, she had shared uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. And thou not unto his words, lest he prove, uh, reprove thee, and that the, thou be found a liar. Um you know, and for example, um, she gave me the Isaiah forty three ten. Oh yeah. Before me there was no God formed, and there shall there be after me. Forty four six, forty four eight. This all came from a non Christian. No, this came from the lady at oh. Desiree. Oh, he asked me about gotcha. the phone call. I'm sorry, I went from the phone call to the yeah 
to oh, the Christian right. bookstore. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's uh, all right. So, and then the other thing she had shared with me that really hit me was Galatians 1, 6 through 9. Mm. And I had been in the um, seminary building and sometimes asking the question, well, what if this is another gospel? Mm. Oh, wow. You know, like, like, okay, well, if you're talking about different gospels and different things happening towards the end... You know, that had been in the back of my mind when I was Mormon, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I had these verses. And the interesting thing was, is after I had these verses, I called the stake president that was going to have me share my testimony on that fireside. And he had, um, and I gave him all the verses. And he didn't want to answer them. And he says, well, he's all, well, it sounds like you've made your decision that Mormonism's not true. Oh, wow. He went and to that right away. That w- he went quickly because I had so many questions for him. And he told me I couldn't question it. And then I needed to believe. And he said, I don't care what the Bible says. I know the Book of Mormon's true. Mm. And and you need to believe it. Because I was asking him all these questions. And and it seemed like he'd went down this route before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, he wasn't very patient. Um now, granted, it took a few phone calls mm-hmm. when we talked, but it was basically, you need to accept it. Mm-hmm. So at first it was, hey, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know if I can do this on Friday. And then after another call or two, it was like, you've already made your decision, Casey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Before we um, talk about your life, after conversion, after salvation. I'm kind of curious to know, because I, I heard it when you mentioned it on the video, but also you just mentioned it now. You, you talked about the burning in the bosom and that feeling that came over you. And, you know, now as a, a saved person, as a Christian, looking back on that experience, what would you attribute that to? Um, I think it's Satan. I think it's real. Um, I don't doubt it at all. I, I believe, um, matter of fact, right before I came to salvation, and um, and I haven't shared with the part until that I actually came to salvation. But I because um, the person who was Muslim, I went and got a Quran, and I opened the Quran and I felt that feeling even stronger. Oh wow! Really? Yes, the same kind of, but a more overwhelming than than even Mormonism. Is it something you were looking for when you approached it with either one? Not with the Quran. Um, not with the Quran, but with the Book of Mormon, yes. Um, but I didn't get the burning of the bosom when I prayed over the Book of Mormon at first. It was when they were talking about the preexistence oh. in that teaching. And the preexistence, yeah. as you guys know, is a false doctrine that right. is inserted into um, their worldview in believing that we were existing in the preexistence, mm-hmm. but we didn't exist in the preexistence. Over and over, it says we're made of the dust. Um, so, so I would say no to the Book of Mormon, but yes, I mean no to the Quran, but yes to the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. you would say it was a similar experience. Similar experience, yes. Mm-hmm. And and but I knew that I couldn't in my mind accept the Quran because I didn't like what they did with Jesus. Yeah. So even though I wasn't a Christian at the time, I was like I cannot deny Jesus. Right. Right. And I think it's interesting because in the part of your conversion that you've shared so far, it all came back to the Word of God, mm-hmm. that, that these other things were inconsistent with the Scriptures. And the reason I find that interesting is because, and this is one thing that's really uh, surprised me, I didn't realize, you know, coming from the outside, coming from the South, I didn't realize how mystical Mormons could be. Mm-hmm. And the ones that I've met and I've talked to, um, almost without exception, they share a, a story about a burning in the bosom. Or I, we even had a lady a few months ago visit our church uh, who was a woman. And uh, she just wanted to visit a Baptist church, and I got to talking to her. And she actually said that an angel, like she was in her bedroom mm-hmm. uh, with the Book of Mormon, and she was praying that God would confirm if it mm-hmm. was true. And she said an angel actually came into her bedroom, sat on the bed with her, and told her that Joseph Smith was a true prophet of God and the Book of Mormon is absolutely trustworthy. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting to me is I've had Muslims 
tell me very similar stories about how they came to trust the Quran and their faith. And, and I've even had Catholics do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And this is what I asked the, the nice Mormon lady that visited our church. I asked her, I said, you know, comparing your experience with their experiences, I said, how can we vet that? How can we decide between the three different experiences which one, if any, is true? Mm -hmm. And she had no answer for that because ultimately it comes down to our own experiences. Mm -hmm. Instead of having an outside absolute standard of truth, we really become our own standard of truth. And I also told her this. I said, ma'am, I said, you seem so genuine. I really believe that this experience for you was real. You believe it's real. You experienced it as real. But I said, how could you prove to me that it wasn't demonic in nature? Mm-hmm. And she had no answer for that either. Yeah. And, and here you're telling us that you believe it was demonic from both, I guess, the Koran and the, and the Mormonism experience. Yeah, and I think that that's what Ephesians tells us, is, and so does Colossians and other books of the Bible that Satan's real and there is a spiritual realm and I think because America is so materialistic uh, other countries don't doubt the spiritual realm Mm -hmm. they might not believe that the spiritual realm is bad like we we would um, but obviously the spiritual realm exists um, you know um, you know and and I've even uh, in the last couple years um went through some spiritual warfare that I could tell that it was demonic things. And so um, if if we base truth on our experiences, then we, in a sense, become God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah we become our own absolute standard. Yeah. Um, as we walk through your conversion experience, what was it like for you? And kind of walk us through when the walls finally came down you knew that Jesus is Lord and, and he saved you. So um, I was living with a few other roommates and I had had a friend that was um, from Dietrich and uh, he had come down and he was staying with my roommate. And I, of course, was into Mormonism. So I was following the word of wisdom, but they both were Jack Mormons and they had asked me if they would drop that I would drop them off at the bar and come get them. So I dropped them off at the bar and I came home. And at this time, I was just reading the Bible and reading the material that Jill had given me. And um, I was reading through this pamphlet called The Family of God. And I've since went back and looked at this pamphlet, but for some reason, the verse that really hit me wasn't even in this pamphlet. Hmm. And... I actually read Romans 10, 9, and yeah. 10. And, um, and I'd read it, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved, right? Yeah. And then goes on and says, with the mouth, you know, you confess, and with mm-hmm. the heart, you know, you acknowledge him. And um, something happened. It was like a veil that had come off my brain, yeah. uh, off my mind. Um, and... And I remember sitting there. It was November 15th. Um, That's my birthday. November 15th, 1997. Um, I think it was 1221 at night. Um, and at that moment, I knew I was saved. Mm. Um, and I didn't completely understand what had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, God had removed um, my this, this veil, um, just like Corinthians talks about the veil. And I knew I was going to heaven, and I cried for close to an hour, uh, just in joy. I just knew I was going to heaven. It was the strangest thing. Um, And then I went and picked them up, and they were my first evangelistic contacts. Um, And the, the, the kid that was from the strong Mormon family from Dietrich, he was listening to me. He was starting to doubt. He went home, and then his parents told him he couldn't talk to me anymore. The other gentleman, um, he was a Jack Mormon. He went and got a Bible and kind of was suspicious of Mormonism. And um, in three weeks, he was reading through John 17, and then he got saved. Wow. <laughs> and God just transformed him. Mm-hmm. And he's in Boise now, serves in his church, uh, loves the Lord, 
has followed the Lord since then. And so uh, that's what happened. After that point, I knew I was a Christian. And after that point, I just mm. served the Lord. Mm-hmm. I've never looked back. Mm. What's it been like since you've been saved as far as your family and, and your community? And I mean, how were you treated? How did that affect you? Well, um, the one thing I would say is my father um, was close to his mom and he supported his mom and he was really good to her. Um, out of all the kids, he helped her quite a bit. So she was really strong Mormon. And she was the hardest person for me to ever have a real discussion with. I wrote out a seven-page paper, single space, of my testimony. And she had had a heart attack, and she was in the hospital. And I brought her my letter that I wrote to her, seven-page, single-spaced. Um, and um, I told her, I said, um, Grandma, I know that you've always wondered why I left Mormonism. And I said, here's why, and I gave it to her. So she was the hardest person for me to talk to uh, after becoming a Christian. Partly was because she had six, seven kids and had 30, 40 grandkids, and every time you go over to her house, there was people there. But also because of how strong LDS she was. Yeah. And um, I know she didn't like it because my, my father told my unbelieving sister about um, what had happened and then my unbelieving sister told my believing sister um, which she got saved later and I shared the gospel with my believing sister mm. um, she was never Mormon but anyway and then I found out and he wasn't very happy and she wasn't very happy about mm-hmm. the letter now grandma never spoke to me but I didn't have a lot of kickback I mean I lived in Pocatello. The family was in Dietrich, my friends. Um, I think that some of the people, um, you know, haven't totally embraced me, but for the most part, you know, I, I wasn't in the community when I got saved. So, but I will say that the people in Dietrich treated me well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have anything bad to say about any of those Mormons. Um, and there's still a lot of them are still my friends. Um, I love them. That's why I created that YouTube video. It wasn't because I wanted to bash Mormonism. I, mm-hmm. I wanted them to sincerely know mm-hmm. how God changed my life, and I want them to come to salvation too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your call into the ministry. So the interesting thing is, Brandon, is um, after that. Um, I had a love for Muslims. I had a love for Indian people. Um, I would go to the gas station, share the gospel with Indian people. I would. Um, I got to know a lot of Muslim people uh, through a series of events at Idaho State, and so I really loved Muslim people. And so my whole goal was to go overseas and reach either Muslims or Hindus. Mm. And first it was India. And so I, I went off to a seminary to get a a graduate degree and then go overseas and and so I wasn't really interested in preaching and all that but but I ended up doing all the preaching and stuff because I did an MDiv and and then the Lord kept on closing doors um, I tried to go to India I tried to go to Santiago Chile because a friend tried to recruit me there to do biblical counseling because I have a master's in biblical counseling um, I've tried to go to, I looked at going to Trinidad and Tobago. I know there's no uh, Muslim there. There's Hindus in Trinidad, believe it or not, and it's in the, it's in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked at trying to go to Indonesia, different places, and the Lord ended up bringing me here to Utah as a pastor, and I've just had to learn to preach. Even though I never saw myself as a pastor, I never really thought that that's where it was going to go, but that's what the Lord has done. Mm. And um, it took me a while to confirm my calling in the sense that this is what the Lord wants me to do. And I do feel if I ran from it, I would be like Jonah, <laughs> running from the Lord. Mm-hmm. So so that, that's it. I, you know, I, I love evangelism. Um, I find that Utah is a hard place to evangelize. So if you're out there and you're trying to talk to LDS folk, it is hard. Um, they have a worldview. They're closed off. They have their own culture with... 
you know, basketball and word dances and and all these things. I mean, and then they run the high schools, you know, and so it, it is very difficult. Yeah. For those uh, Mormon listeners, they're listening to this right now. Maybe they have questions. Maybe they don't. But um, what would you want the Mormon listeners to know as somebody who was or for more LDS? Well, what I would want them to realize is the nature of God. Yeah. That the God of the Bible is a different God than the God of Mormonism. Mm -hmm. And that the God of the Bible is the eternal God. Um, The God of the Bible is spirit. The God of the Bible is all-powerful, all-knowing. The God of the Bible is holy and righteous. And and that I would want them to know that. I would also want them to know that the whole idea of the preexistence was something that Joseph Smith came up with. Um, It's not in the Bible. Um, The only thing that preexisted uh, before all of creation was God Himself, yeah, mm-hmm. and and that is where it messes up their thought process. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage them to to look at what does the Bible say. It's been around mm-hmm. a long time. It's all over the world. It transforms people. Uh, you know what does the Bible say about the nature of God? What does the Bible say about the nature of man? Not that what does Mormonism say? Don't use Mormonism. Don't use the Bible as a proof text for Mormonism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just look at the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I would tell them to, you know, to listen to Adam's Road. I mm-hmm. think that Micah's testimony is encouraging. I would tell them to um, l- listen to some of these uh, other people that have come out of Mormonism. And, and it will come back to the nature of God, the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ being the eternal God. So those, those are the kind of things. And the nature of man, all these things have been redefined. Mm-hmm. One thing I really think is unique about Mormonism, and I've really seen this firsthand for myself having just moved here in April of last year, Mormonism is the only religion in America that controls a geographic region. Mm-hmm. And I think you alluded to that when you said you never met a Christian when you were in high school. And, and I really think that for a lot of Mormons, certainly a lot of the ones that I've met, They've just never been exposed to a lot of biblical Christianity. They may have never even heard the true biblical gospel. We actually had an outreach yesterday um, at Utah State University. They had their day on the quad, and our church got a table out there. We had tracks and put together some uh, different bags and stuff, and and uh, we were handing these things out. And I actually had, I think it was three of them, that came up to us, to me, and said that they were a member of the LDS church. And they said, I would like for you to explain to me the difference between your message and our message. Mm. And I was able to share with them the biblical gospel. And you could tell they had never heard that before. And and so I said that to say this, just because you're raised in something, and that's the only thing that you really know, the only thing you've been exposed to, that doesn't by default make that position true. Doesn't make it right. And I've always been a big fan of the saying that truth never fears a challenge. And you mentioned the uh, the man that you talked to when you had questions and you were struggling with these things, and he pretty much just said, you're not supposed to question. You're just supposed to believe it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, that's, that's really asking for blind faith. Mm. Yes, it is. And the one thing that Jill said to me is she said, well, I have a couple things for you to think about if— you are, if you went into a barn and you started mooing, would you become a cow? <laughs> and I said, no. And she said, also, if you went out on a reservoir and there was ice and the ice was very, very thin, less than, you know, a couple centimeters, and you had all the faith in your world, in the world, would the ice hold you? Mm. And I said, no. And she said, well, what if you were really scared and you walked out on the ice and it was two feet thick. Would the, would the ice hold you? And I said, well, yes. And she said, well, it's the object of your faith. That's mm. it. And it's not the amount of your faith. Mm. And I think that um, she illustrated that very well because um, if you have all the faith in the world in something that's not true, then it's simply not true. It's not the amount of your faith. It's the mm. object of your faith. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of our listeners... Um, LDS listeners especially are people who are curious and perhaps even seeking 
um, the truth. But I would guess um, that there's a fear that underlies that seeking, a fear of Christianity itself. Um, when you were LDS, did was there kind of an unspoken fear in your heart of... Well, I think that there is a fear of man because, you know, if you're a lady, you're always thinking, I want to get married in the temple. Um, my family's LDS. If I, if I leave Mormonism or I don't believe Mormonism's true and I believe biblical Christianity's true, then not only am I leaving my family, but I also am believing that my family is not going to heaven. Right. Right? Yeah. That's... And so I think that that is a, a fear mm-hmm. for... And and the women have been taught their whole life that this temple ceremony is so amazing. And and if you women are listening, I want to say that the marriage to the Lord Jesus Christ is better than any human marriage. Mm, that's yeah. right. Okay. And yeah, the and Bible teaches that. The that's Bible right. teaches that we are the bride mm-hmm. and he's the groom. Now, obviously, that's a different kind of marriage than, than the marriage here. Mm-hmm. But um, also... Um, you know, I tell people all the time that your life here is a grain of sand on all the ocean yeah. beaches mm. compared to eternity, all the other sand. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't even compare to how long eternity is. Mm-hmm. So if you believe in Mormonism, you're looking at a life that's probably shorter than 80 or 90 years. And after that, you die. And then the judgment, according to Hebrews nine twenty seven, there is no second chance. According to Mormonism, there is... But the Bible says you die, and there's no second chance, Hebrews 9.27. And so I would encourage them to say, to them, to to look at this and say, um, men aren't going to save you. On judgment day, you're going to face God by yourself. Mm -hmm. So you either bow now to him, or you'll bow later to him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those society things are real. Um, I mean, some people could not do as well in business maybe they have a business and yeah. and it's through the word house people but but ultimately if you come to the true god god's going to provide for you yeah and he's yeah. going to take yeah. care of you and i can tell you that i had a peace that surpassed all understanding and in mormonism i thought i was going to heaven i thought i was pretty good i wasn't the most best mormon you know but when I came to Christ, I knew that I was going to heaven. Mm-hmm. Just like that verse says in Romans ten nine, if you confess with yeah. your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Mm-hmm. Saved is past tense, mm-hmm. meaning that you'll know it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you know when you're saved. Mm. And if you don't have any doubt that you're not going to heaven, then you don't understand the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were there doctrines or things in Christianity that were hard for you to accept or that um, that it kept you back or gave you pause when it came to embracing the Christian faith? Um, not so much, but I think that once I became a Christian, there was things coming out of the LDS background that bothered me. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to wear a shirt and a tie to mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. Um, I went out and bought a bunch of Jesus shirts. I wouldn't wear those today, <laughs> but I bought some of those. Um, I didn't like the idea of any kind of authority mm. um, because I felt like, you know, with Mormonism, it was all authority. So yeah. it was kind of a kickback from any kind of... So more so after you converted to Christ, then there were things that um, bothered you about the LDS church that you didn't want any part of in Christian and in, in Christian worldview, and yeah. I contributed to the church being the same, but obviously it's not right. Right. Um, but that was kind of hard. Um, one thing that was very liberating is um, giving. Mm. Um, in Mormonism, it's ten percent. Um, in Christianity, I want to give ten percent just because I love the Lord mm, yeah. because of what He's done for me. Yeah. So I think that. Um, giving once you come to faith is something that's just incredible because now you're just saying I love you I'm showing gratitude and you're it's a lot more than just checking off a box yeah yeah and it and it and um, you know if if somebody gets into rules rather than a heart for doing things um, it, it's just not the same mm-hmm. it's a relationship mm-hmm. well that's just like uh, yesterday one of the Mormons that asked me about the differences in our message 
uh, I asked, I shared the gospel with him. And then I said, uh, as a Mormon that's been on mission, I said, how would you explain your message to me? How do I get to heaven? How do I, how can I be made right with God? And he, he talked about, you know, you know, you got to repent. You got to try to, you know, live righteously and be a good person and do all these things. He said, I agree with you, but I said, our motivations are different. Mm-hmm. I don't work in order to be saved. I work because I am saved and I serve God out of a loving and grateful heart for what he's done for me. Mm-hmm. And he, he had such a pause when I said that, you know, and that, that was pretty much the end of our conversation. But um, it's just totally different. Yeah. Totally different. When you, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, um, and even before that, as you were coming to Christ, you kind of you talked about the, the one verse that really opened it up to you. But what, um, what verses or what scriptural truths did you find most comforting as someone who had just recently come to Jesus Christ? Um, the verses that gave me comfort and after I came to Christ. Um, I remember that the first sermon that I heard was expository. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a deep exposition, but it was a whole chapter. Mm. And I remember the person preaching out of Romans, uh, Romans 6, I think it was. And I remember thinking, there's more in the one chapter in the Bible than all the Book of Mormon and everything combined. And I remember just eating it up. Mm. The Holy Spirit illuminating my mind and my thoughts, and I'm just, I just was eating it up. Mm-hmm. So, so I would say that that was the first, one of the first times that, like, right after I was saved, I went to a, a, a church. Jill had got me to go to this church, and I just listened to this, and I just was like, "Whoa, yeah, God's word is amazing." Yeah. I'd never had anybody open it up, so that was comforting. Also, um, some of the verses that he's, you know, Isaiah forty four, uh, Isaiah forty six. You know, those verses in the Old Testament with Isaiah were encouraging. Um, some of the verses that God's word was authoritative was, was encouraging mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I, I started, you know, I, I really liked um, the verse in Galatians. I've, I've been crucified with Christ, no longer I who live, but Christ who yeah. lives within me. I think it's Galatians, what, yeah, 221? 220, yeah. 220. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so that was encouraging to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I can remember all the verses, but... Yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah. Um, so for someone who's seeking and searching, how would you... Can you just give a quick summary of what you consider to be the major points of difference between the LDS faith and biblical Christianity? Sure. I think that it all starts in the first three chapters of Genesis. I think that how somebody brings their presuppositions to Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, and chapter 3 is going to determine the course Mm -hmm. of where we go after that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so I say it like this. In Genesis 1-1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Yeah. So it is simply telling us that He is the eternal God. He's the only one that existed. And then He created... Mm-hmm. Everything in the universe, everything on earth, right? Mm-hmm. And he created everything. And then we find out on day six that man was created. And angels was created somewhere in there. And and so this whole idea of the preexistence, um, there was no preexistence. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 14, um, Revelation 12, Ezekiel 28 tells us, that Satan was a created being, that he was an angel. Mm-hmm. Okay, And Revelation chapter 12 tells us one-third of the angels sometime after the sixth day of creation, sometime between Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, the Bible doesn't tell us the particular time, um, there was a rebellion in heaven, mm-hmm. but we were not involved in that rebellion. Mm-hmm. It was Satan and mm-hmm. one third of the angels. Mm-hmm. So Mormonism hijacks that and says 
that the one-third were, we were all in heaven, and the one-third were the one that didn't accept um, Jesus' plan. Mm-hmm. Instead, they accepted Satan's, mm-hmm. right? Or Lucifer. Yeah. So, so in those first two chapters, we are told that God created us out of the ground. Yeah. And then in chapter 3, um, Adam didn't sin, like Mormons would say, so that Adam and Eve could get physical bodies and have all those spirit children come here to earth. Instead, when Adam sinned, um, he rebelled against God and he brought down all of humanity. Right. Yeah. All right. right. So, so how people view that pre-existence mm-hmm. determines how they view their um, purpose. Yeah. So, like, if I'm if I'm Mormon, I'm believing that I already accepted God's plan in heaven, and this is just a test here. And I'm also believing that Jesus is my older brother. When the Bible teaches that Jesus actually created everything, John one one through three, uh, Colossians chapter one, mm-hmm. all tells us that. So I think that the that those first three chapters are very important. Mm-hmm. Um, how we define God how we define man, how we define the preexistence. Mm-hmm. And so I would walk an LDS person through those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was J.C. Ryle that said that false views about the disease will lead to false views about the cure. <laughs> and every, every false religion mm-hmm. it has a horrible view of God, very low view of God, mm-hmm. very corrupt anthropology, very high view of man. Yeah. But when we examine our lives the law of God, the perfect, the ferociously holy standard of God, we could never measure up. Mm-hmm. That's why God's wrath, His justice can only be satisfied mm-hmm. in the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice right. of Jesus Christ. And so that's uh, everything you're saying has been my experience in the short time that I've been here, mm-hmm. you know, talking to members of the LDS. Mm-hmm. And uh, Casey, this has been fantastic. You know, when we started this podcast, we always say we try to keep it to 30 minutes. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. that lasted like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah, well, we got to get out our bona fides. <laughs> you know, so, we're you Baptist know, pastors we here. We getting longer and yeah. longer. Long I think, I think is, the last is, one was the longest we did. It was almost yeah. an hour. I had a guy that came to our church for a while. He told me that... Um, You're fine. He told me that... Uh, he said, I, he said, I'm convinced that you preachers, you all went to college and they taught you a class on how to talk for 60 minutes exactly. <laughs> I, I, yeah, well, so, so <laughs> it's an acquired habit. <laughs> that's funny. So I, I do want to say one other thing that I think is important. I think that for Christian listeners, we need to understand that there's no difference between a Jack Mormon and a strong Mormon. And here, here's what I mean. Um, Jack Mormons believe that they're children of God. Mm-hmm. Some Jack Mormons might not believe in the doctrine of eternal progression, but they believe that they're children of God, and they also believe that life's a test. Mm-hmm. And and in that thought process, that's why they're okay with dropping out. Right. So they need to hear about the true God. Yep. I just had a young lady tell me that, and I I didn't know this. You know, even after twenty years, you're still learning all kinds of things. But she told me that um, I, I told her a story of a funeral I did where at the end of the funeral, the bishop stood up and told everybody that this person didn't finish their work. And so it's up to you to finish it for them. And she just kind of smirked and she said, yeah, well, she said he doesn't understand that not everybody wants to go to the celestial kingdom. And um, <laughs> she said, and I that took me by surprise. I had never heard this before, but she told me that her mother, in fact, does not want to go to the celestial kingdom. She just, she said she wants me to come down and visit her um, from there. And, uh, and that, because I had always wondered with Jack Mormons, because they do, they hold all the LDS assumptions. So why is it then if you know all of this, and if you know that you're not earning your way to the celestial kingdom, how can you be okay with that? And that's it right there. There's just this, um, sorry. there's, you know, an, almost an indifference, a resignation perhaps. And 
because there's no degree of heaven that isn't like okay yes um there and 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 I say that not because for our listeners not because I'm saying that there are degrees of heaven because there are not and you should listen to our previous episode where we discussed that yeah um, there is heaven and there is hell and in the last day when you stand before God you will either hear well done good and faithful servant or you will hear depart from me you cursed and so it's uh, mm-hmm. this is not something to play with here but. Um, you are right with no matter what. And, and, and that's what kind of back to what you said earlier, um, that Utah doesn't have a Christian heritage. Where I grew up in Indiana and in Alabama and Pennsylvania, where I first was in ministry, uh, there's a common understanding that comes from uh, a, a heritage that would be a Christian heritage. Yeah. When you come here, um, folks don't have that underpinning what they believe. They, even people who were raised here but not religious, still have a lot of everybody's going to get to heaven. Yep, and then and then they never go back to church. And if they go back to church, they go back to the ward house. Whereas in the south and other yep. places, they come back to church because they want to be better. And then they hear the gospel. Yeah. yeah exactly. Because they know that there is an existence of hell. Yes. But even though Mormonism talks about the outer darkness, they don't really yeah. believe. They don't think in, any real in, people are going there except Judas. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But this has been uh this has been fantastic. I never get tired of hearing other people's story of grace, mm-hmm. how the Lord saves them and and when we walk around this world we may go to Walmart or a park or any public place, and we may see total strangers, but everybody we see, we know that we all have one thing in common, and that we were born sinners. Yeah. And when we get to heaven, every single person we see will have one thing in common. Mm-hmm. We were saved by the grace of God. We all have a story of grace. Mm. And I'm so thankful for that. And uh, Casey, thank you for doing this and, and volunteering your time. and. Uh, before we get out of here, why don't you pray for us? Pray for our listeners as well. All right. Lord, thank you so much for allowing us to gather and to talk about the most important thing, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. And talk about his salvation in my life, Lord. I, I know that um, it was divine work, and, and Lord, it was a costly. It was costly. Uh, you became a man and died on the cross for my sins. And I just thank you that these brothers here, Lord, love you. And uh, I pray that um, you would bless this uh, podcast. Uh, Lord, I pray that um, if anybody is um, seeking answers to some of their questions, Lord, that they'd reach out to one of us and that we would be able to answer them from your word. And Lord, um, we just pray that your word would go out. Um, The verses that we have talked about, Lord, we know that they have power because because the Bible tells us that it's powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, we thank you for our time, and we we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Casey. Until next time, we love you, and God bless.